Thanks, team. Uh, my name's Scott. If you're uh, newer to our church, um, I'm glad you're here, too, as Sean was talking about that earlier. Uh, hope is that you, um, God leads you to connect here, get planted here, um, and uh, we do this journey with Christ together. I came across a story. Apparently, it's a true story this past week. Um, there's a couple guys hunting. Uh, actually, there's a whole crew of them, and they went out by pairs, and uh, went hunting and, and one pair wasn't coming in, wasn't coming in. Finally, this guy comes in and he's got this big 12-point buck on the back of, on his back, his shoulders, carrying in, staggering in. And, and they're like, well, hey, where's your buddy? Where's Larry? And he goes, well, he, he, I think he had a stroke back up the way some. And they're like, well, why didn't you bring him? And he said, well, I figured nobody was going to steal Larry. <laughs> yeah, that's good. You know. How about that? How about that? We all got priorities. All of us, right? We all have things that we would say we have to have that or have to do this, and I'm all about that, and we all do it. We're all actually free. Well, it depends on where you fall out on free will and predestiny. I don't know how that stuff. Sorry, I just got in the weeds there. I'm going to pull back out. Um, we all have this ability to choose priorities, right? I, I can choose what I want to prioritize. You can choose what you want to prioritize. Um, and what you choose to prioritize is going to be different than me, and mine's going to be different than yours. And, and it's just, right, it's just us. It's the way we're wired, the way God put this whole thing together. Um, but I wonder, are we as free as we think when it comes to making priorities? I mean, are we really that free? When you think about it. If we're so free to, to make priorities and to say this is the most important thing and a center of our lives around this, then why in the world would 47% of us who have the freedom to make priorities say that we feel lonely? 47% of Americans say they feel lonely. How is that? Well, make it a priority. Or is there something more going on? Is there something deeper going on? Why is it that so, so many millennials who have more choices than any generation ever and, and have the abilities to prioritize their lives and, and even down to categories and all this stuff struggle right now as a generation more than any other generation currently with suicide? Why does depression run rampant? Why, why is it so many people are exhausted and burned out and running, running, running? I wonder, uh, we talk about being free, but could there possibly be other things that exert force and, and shame or pressure on us that confuses or poisons our ability to actually prioritize what should be the most important things? It often takes moments of clarity, right? And often moments of clarity don't come cheap. They often come with a high price tag. Uh, there's a story about the Titanic when it went down. There was 11 millionaires that were on the Titanic that went down with it. And there was one guy, his name, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but he was a major, so that's all I'm going to say. He was a major. And uh, he was one of those millionaires, and he had over $300,000 of money, jewelry, securities, whatever, in his little tiny safe in his room. 
And when the boat went down, this is what he said on reflection, because he got to get into one of the escape, the smaller escape boats. And he said, the money seemed a mockery at the time. I picked up three oranges instead and got on the lifeboat. Isn't that funny? $300,000 or three oranges? And it often takes that moment of crisis or that moment when all of a sudden everything is equalized and we start to see what really matters, right? What really is the most important thing? Jesus once said this, no one can serve two masters. This is in Matthew chapter 6. I invite you to turn there. Matthew chapter 6. No one can serve two masters. Verse 28, verse 24. Man, I need to get glasses. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value, of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, anybody anxious? can add a single hour to his lifespan or her lifespan. And, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into an oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after those things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. And here's this famous verse. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We can't serve two masters. Either we will love the one and hate the other, or we will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Do you realize that in the history of history, no one has been able to serve two masters? No one? Like, look around this room. There's no one here that can serve two masters. I mean, you can elbow the person next to him. You can look at him and go, you can't do it, right? You can't do it. No one here can serve two masters. It's a universal constant. We will either love one and hate the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. And Jesus says this statement and he goes on to talk about worry, 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 worry and how all, we're starting to serve this master over here, worry, worry, worry. And he finally gets to the end. He says, look, I'm going to take care of you. Do this one thing. This is your priority. Don't get this one wrong. Don't worry about all the other ones. Just focus on this one. Seek first me, my kingdom, and all that will be added. Put me first. Put my kingdom first. Put him as the highest priority. So how's that going? How are we doing on that? 
you know, this last week, uh, you know, we've been actually talking about this, this series as a staff, kind of putting this together these four weeks. And uh, we were just in Atlanta at a conference um, down there as a staff, all, all six of us. And I got to tell you, I mean, it was just, uh, we had so much fun. I, there was those moments where you sit back and you just kind of look at things and you observe, you know, from the outside perspective. And I'm like, I cannot believe I'm like on staff at a church with friends, like friends. Like we get along until they make fun of me, but outside of that, we're, we're all, we really love being with each other. Um, it's such a great time. Um, I didn't know whether I was doing ministry or I was just with friends hanging out, figuring out how to lead better and looking at our hearts. Um, but it was interesting. One of the things that we've talked about over the past probably six months as we're looking at this, uh, and then we heard it down there a couple times, there is this thing, and, and it's become a thing, and it's a cultural force now. And it's this idea of convenience. Convenience has become one of the biggest priorities in our lives. It is. We want it quick. We want to swipe it. We want to tap it. We want to drop it. Order it. I mean, if it doesn't come easy, it's inconvenient, and we just want to undo it. I mean, think about this. The, the lengths of messages get shorter, right? If something's too long, you just don't even listen to it. Like voicemail, the younger generation doesn't even call each other, right? They just text. It's just shorter. It's just how they, it gets shorter and shorter and, and just convenience. You don't have to grow grocery shopping. You can just order it and have it delivered. I mean, it's just changed so much. And it's not bad. It's not evil. But if convenience is our master, we've got a real problem. If convenience is one of our highest priorities, we've got a real problem because God just doesn't care. Like one of the clues, if you really are all about convenience and if stuff just starts to get a little too hard or difficult or or whatever, I got got something to tell you. God's, one of the, the attributes of God is he's eternal which is kind of a sign that this whole convenience thing is just not going to work out. Right? If you want it fast, to him a day is like a thousand years. Right? It's just not going to go that fast. Anybody waiting on God right now for something? Right? You wait a long time. And God's just like, I'm good. We can wait. He just doesn't care about convenience. He's got time to draw things out. And if your spirituality gets infused with convenience in a way that's imbalanced, where convenience starts to trump what God is doing and his priorities, it's going to start a conflict. You can't serve both. We just can't. We can either... Be devoted to God or devoted to convenience. And I'm not saying that there can't be convenience pulled into our faith. I am not saying that. But there is a cultural piece of this that pushes us to be dissatisfied with anything 
that's inconvenient. Maybe, maybe it's, um, it's not convenience for you. Maybe it's uh, your, your kids' activities, parents. So we were in a town, average age is around 38 years old, which means it's a, it's a mom and a dad with kids, right? right? Rodsworth has lots of kids, lots and lots of kids. And, and there's this thing that has happened in our culture, I mean, the culture used to be on the far extreme over here where the, the phrase was, children are supposed to be seen and not, right? Well, that's a little bit not good, right? And then now we've switched over to this other side, and this is where our culture is right now, that if you don't put your child as high as you can on the priority list above everything else, shame on you. Shame on you. Right? I mean, you feel that pressure. We feel that pressure. You got to get your kids involved in activities. You got to get them involved in sports. How many parents have heard this saying, if you don't get them in early, they're going to get passed by. They're never going to catch up. They're never going to go to college. They're never going to play professional sports. It's going to be awful. Right? Like there's a lie that somewhere it starts to be fed when they start peewee stuff. Piano, I don't care, instruments, sports, whatever, that if you don't get them here, they're not going to be a professional. How many people are a professional athlete or have been a professional athlete here? How are we doing, folks? Are we okay? Are we going to make it? We got one back there, maybe. I see that hand. I have no idea. They're hiding. That's okay. It's going to be okay. We are going to be just fine. Our child is going to be okay. But there's this, ah, right? And so when somebody gets in the way of it, what do the parents do, right? They start yelling and screaming when, when it's a, a coach, when it's a ref, when it's another player, when it's whatever. Everybody starts going crazy because, oh, my kid, I got to have, we got to have her up. Really? And I'm not saying activities are bad. And I'm not saying whatever you got them in is bad. Like, I, I'm not. Or if you're a coach, fantastic. It's the idea you can only serve one master. You can only serve one. Are we serving the wrong master as we look at how we schedule our child's life, and everything. Hey, kids, how, how about you? I'll leave, get you on the hook, right? Let me ask you about what you do. What's your highest priority? Is, is it Xbox, Snapchat, Instagram? I don't know. Netflix? Activities, whatever you do. How much time do you spend on that a day? How much time do you give to that? What would you say is your master as you think about your priorities? This isn't just, oh, when you get 18. This, this happens when you can be six years old, you can be eight years old. When you're in junior high, hey, game on. Mom and dad start to do this because they got to start letting go because you're going into adulthood. In junior high, you got to start figuring this out. What are you going to do? What are you going to prioritize? Man, like a hundred years ago, if you were 14, you were out like you had your own house, you had your own farm, you were getting married. So don't, don't tell me you can't handle it. You can handle it. You can. And you're already making decisions and priorities right now. 
You're already saying, I don't want to do that, and I want to do this, which is great. Just who's your master? Now, don't go home and tell your mom and dad that I said you could just move out of the house and, oh my. Uh, what's your calendar look like, folks? Um, what do we protect the most space, the most time? Do you, do you prioritize being busy, your life being slammed, and just go, 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 go? Do you prioritize the opposite? Like, your problem is not that you love being busy and you love the affirmation, oh, you're so busy, you're like making a mark on this planet. You're over here going, no, I don't want to do anything, and you just stay at home and you hide and you don't, you're unengaged, and your master is the exact opposite. See, we can, we can be just this bundle of contradictions even within here of who prioritizes what. I, I don't know, I can't say all of it, but I'm just saying, look at your calendar, who's your master? Or materialism. Get a house, drive a car, get the right kind of car. Your next big purchase is always the next big purchase and money or whatever. Jesus just finished saying right here after he said, hey, look, you can't serve two masters. He says, you can't serve God and money. Or, or, or is it career? Maybe it's, it's your career. And it's not just that you, you work hard and, and you pour the hours into You go beyond. In fact, it's, it's, it's just beyond. It's out of control. Your career is everything. It takes your best energy, your best ideas, your best love, your best of everything. It, it really is your master. I don't know. So what we, what we have to understand about engaging, as we start to think about in a positive way, what does it mean to engage in priorities? There's something about this whole thing that I, I think we kind of get backwards. Um, and if we get off on the wrong track, it just totally gets us off on the wrong track. Here, here's the piece of this. And I love we were talking about this. And, and, and it was Lynn who, who said this. And I just, the way he said it, I was just like, that was money. I just actually started writing it down. I go, he just said, we don't add the Lord to our lives like it's an upgrade, right? We, we don't just you know, say, ah, we're going to add God to our life. No, what happens is God shows up and he says, I am the Lord. Serve me. Period. We don't fit the God of the universe into our lives. He fits us into his. He's our number one priority. He is Lord. He is our Lord. And what he says is our priority. We don't come to him and say, these are our priorities. Can I have your blessing? Thank you. He says, no, 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 no. that's not how this works. I don't revolve around you. You revolve around me. And I think part of that is there's something that happens when he becomes the Lord and you start talking about all the cultural stuff that happens. We have all this stuff that's pushing and driving in the Swiss way and then Jesus is over here saying, look, I, I'm a different master. I got a different drum beat. And, and, and I think what happens is when you start to really 
wrestle with him being Lord, one of the things that happens intuitively, like deep down inside, is we know what's going to happen, is he doesn't care what culture says. He just doesn't give a rip. He doesn't care about convenience. He doesn't care about material things. He doesn't care whether we become professional athletes or not. Now you may say, well, Scott, he calls us to this, he calls us to that. Yeah, whatever. His priorities are not of this world. They just aren't. And his kingdom is essentially countercultural, and it will lead us to swim against the current. And I think deep down inside, that's part of what's so strange so difficult about, about prioritizing or, or making his priorities ours because we know as soon as we do, we're going the opposite way. Culture, all the people are going this way and we're just kind of going this way and everybody's like, you are so weird. What are you doing? And that's the light version. The other version is shame on you. How could you? But C.S. Lewis once said this. He said, aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. I think as we choose priorities, something that I think helps in the journey towards that of embracing what he says is our priority is that and this is, this is kind of, it's kind of crazy to think because our, our culture doesn't like this at all. But there is a payoff when Jesus is our priority. And you know what the payoff is? He tells us what to do. I mean, this culture hates having somebody tell them what to do. This world, our flesh, hates that, right? Nobody's going to tell me what to do. The best thing, the biggest blessing is when we come to the Lord and say, your master, and he says, this is what you're going to do. It is. You think about it. It, it. You're talking about the most powerful being in the universe who is loving, who is kind, who's eternal, who's gracious, who's patient, who's long-suffering, who has our best interest in mind, and he says, I want you to prioritize this, and you're going to have one of the best lives you could ever imagine. It won't be easy. Live for that, and you'll never regret it. And he promises that. You seek first my kingdom. I'll give you all the other stuff. Don't worry about the others. I'll take care of that. But if, if we prioritize what he's prioritizing, if we seek first his kingdom, we're seeking eternal things, things that last, things that make a difference, things that are meaning-filled, and it's typically revolving around people. All the rest of it just, he drops in. I wonder if you're going... If you're sitting there and you haven't really evaluated how do I, you know, this whole priority thing and where you really stand and, and maybe you're going, well, how do you change in the middle 
of the course. Like, I'm on a freight train, and I can't just stop. I've made all these priorities. I've already made all these commitments. I am locked in. You don't just stop a train. I'm like, perhaps. I, I guess maybe the question to ask is not how do I stop or how do I change, but it is really just to ask the Lord this question. What do you want me to do? What's your priority for me? And just start there. And if your relationship with the Lord is not your number one priority, I would start there. That has to be your number one priority. I don't don't care how old you are in this room. If your relationship with God is not your number one priority, you got to get that one right. No one else can do that for you. You are the only one that is in control of that priority. Will you prioritize the Lord and that relationship and that connection to him? Because he's, he's, he's your master. He's our Lord. It's not a, rela- a religion. It's, it's this connection, this relationship, servant to master, child to father, all kinds of things. And that connection is our number one priority. We don't multitask that. We don't overbook that. That, that connection is, is God. And as you start to ask God what... God may come back and start to ask you, well, what have I put into your life already that only you can do? Like, you're the only one on this planet that can do what I've already placed into your life. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. You realize there are some things that you're doing right now that no one else in this world can do. One of them is, if you're married... You are the only one that can be a husband to your wife or you're the only one that can be a wife to your husband. No one else can do that. No one else. And God would say that is one of the greatest priorities because no one else can do that. That relationship. So as you look at that relationship, is it a priority? Are you truly being and seeking to be the husband, the best husband ever for your wife and and the best wife for your husband? Or, Or what about this? If you're a parent, if you're a mom, if you're a father... You're the the father of your children. You're the only father of your children, right? No one can replace you. You're the mother of your children. No one can replace you. Are are you looking at that? And here's that balance of kids, you know, can't be seen but not heard, whatever. And then over here like, ah, kids, kids, kids. But it's somewhere in between here where God says, no, no, you are this mom or this dad. and, and, And they're the only ones you've got. How do you prioritize that? And are you doing that? Are you really seeking to become this parent over your kids and to lead them into adulthood? Kids, you may think you're off the hook. Here, we all are. Every one of us is a child. No one else could be the son to your mom and dad or the daughter to your mom and dad. No one else can do that. You're on the hook for this, kids. Are your parents a priority to you? Or is it just one way? Mom and dad are here to just give me everything. (laughs) Woo! Right? Or are you looking at this going, 
well, how do I serve mom and dad? How do I make them my number one priority? Because, well, you know, I ain't married. And, well, I, you know, don't have any kids. And that just carries all the way up through into adulthood. We never stop being that son. We never stop being that daughter. Is that a priority anywhere on our list? Some of us may put our job or career even on that same plane as family. I'm here to say it shouldn't be even close. It shouldn't even be remotely close. How many, I, I, raise your hands here. Uh, this, anybody who's gone to Freshwater before I got here, okay, Anybody that's been a part of Freshwater before I got here, you don't count, all right? I mean, you count, but you don't count. Um, so this is anybody that came after me, has no history with Freshwater, okay? How many people can name more than like three pastors that are on the wall, the pictures on the wall back there? How many can name more than three? How many can name more than two? One? Okay, we got, eh, that's good. But I mean, not including me. <laughs> really? Are you serious? How many people can name more than me? Like, it's excluding me. Okay, that's still pretty legit. Here's the thing, guys. This is such a sad thing. We're all replaceable. Isn't that sad? I don't feel sorry for me because you're just as replaceable. You're going to be replaced and nobody's going to remember you. I mean, you're talking about people who led the church and we don't know who they are. We haven't got their, pat, their pictures up there. And folks, the company in 30 or 40 years most likely will never remember you at all or me. And if we're putting that above Christ, above marriage, above Kids, parenting, family, parents up. It's out of whack. Work's important. It is. It's got a place. It's on the priority list. Like, it probably should be a little bit higher than, like, playing all the time. But I just think there's a huge cultural movement that just values work, and it's just crazy. It's out of whack. I want to encourage you. Um, what does it look like for you over the next week, month, couple months, to sit down and to figure out what God says your priorities should be? And you may not be able to get yourself out of some of the mess you're in. That's fine. You didn't get out into, into it overnight. You may not get out overnight. So what? But when we start to follow the priorities of Christ, decisions get clear. Doesn't mean they'll be easy, but decisions get really clear. And stuff starts to go. 
And what we start to do, and this sounds weird, but we start to plan for negligence. And what I mean by negligence, here's an example. Uh, I used to, you can ask my kids, spray, fertilize my lawn all the time. I just was a nut about it. And uh, oh, I wanted the perfect grass, just wanted the perfect grass. And, and I did it once this year. And ever since that first time, I haven't done it since. And I've done it less than previous. I mean, I'm just hardly doing it anymore. You know why? It's just a waste of time for me. It stinks driving down my driveway and seeing weeds. I hate it. I just hate those weeds. I just want them gone. And God's like, well, you're killing my bees too, so just stop, you know. <laughs> so I'm down to maybe once a year trying to save what vestiges I have of a lawn. But that's what I mean by negligence. It just doesn't matter. There's other things that matter more. And that's what I mean by planning negligence. You're going to start to plan for things. He's going to say, I want you to prioritize this. Well, if I do that, that means this is going to fall apart. And God's going to go, so what? Let it fall apart. It's all going to burn anyway. Now, don't say that about everything. All right, balance in here somewhere. Follow the Lord. But there should be some negligence in your life that is God-ordained as in the things that really don't matter start to be neglected in the right sense of the word. Does that make sense? Not the wrong sense. Don't neglect the right things. I want to invite uh, Jake um, to come out here for a sec. Um, I want to end with this one story. I just, I, I wonder what your life would look like if you were consumed by God's priorities, what would it really look like? And I've told the story before. I didn't, the other half of the story, there's another piece of the story I didn't realize, and I was just reading, uh, you know, D.L. Moody's this famous evangelist, American evangelist, uh, centered most of his ministry in, in Chicago. There's a massive church there. Um, and then he went on to start at a college there that's now Moody Bible Institute University, I guess. I don't know. But um, he, was, he was a shoe salesman, committed, engaged in the, in the church, reaching kids, just these kids that were running around and started just saying, hey, look, we got to teach them the Bible. And meanwhile, he's also just starting to teach and share about Jesus, and people are starting to respond and the ministry's growing and he ends up going overseas to England and, and sharing more with more people over there about the gospel and people are starting to come to the Lord. And he heard a message by a pastor over there and it forever changed his life. And this guy said, and it's a famous line, he says, the world has yet to see a man or a woman whose heart is completely devoted to the Lord. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. Either he will love the one and hate the other, be devoted to one or despise the other. And yet here we are still trying to do it, 2,000 years later. And, and here's this preacher over in England who just says, there's yet to be a woman or a man whose heart is completely his, 
Him is the priority, everything. And Moody said, this is the part I didn't realize, he says, Moody said, everything I saw had that phrase on it. When I, when I went back home on the ship, every brick I walked across, every building had that phrase. The world is yet to see a, a man or a woman whose heart is completely devoted to God. And he became consumed with it. He quit his job. He, he moved out of ministering to the children and it just began this whole thing because that wasn't his calling. God said, no, I want your priority to be preaching the gospel to the lost. And it took off. It became his number one priority. And I wonder what that looks like, especially in light of communion. Jesus gave up everything for us. He came to save you, to save me, to pay the ultimate price. And we're going to take this and we're going to say, thank you, Jesus. And in the backdrop is this idea of do we make him a priority like he, meant, like he made saving us a priority? Would we do that? I invite those who are serving to communion to come and uh, we'll pass out uh, the bread and the cup. If you're visiting and you follow Christ, we'd love to have you be a part of this if you're new. Um, we're gonna serve everyone and, and take it at the end together. Uh, I know some traditions do it differently. That's just kind of how we do it here. And if you um, don't follow Christ, you're just not sure what to believe or what to think yet, um, we would just ask that you would hold off taking this um, because it is so sacred to us. Um, Thank you.